Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Common Sense Show. My name is Dave Hodges. I'm the host, and we're the show that's freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. And we do really thank you for your support. We are growing by leaps and bounds, particularly when we take our radio shows, put them on over on the podcast end. My gosh, that's taking off. And thank you so much for your support. And uh, listen, let's keep fighting the good fight because we are at a crossroads for America. Today, we're going to talk about all things economic. We're going to talk about the market. There's a lot of stuff swirling about the market right now with some of the sell-offs going on. I'm not alarmed by it, but a lot of people are. I'm not alarmed because I think it's a normal cycle of doing business. But we've got an expert here to talk to us about that and more with uh, from Trade Genius, and that's Robert Kudla. Bob, welcome to the show. And, you know, it just seems like we talk about every two weeks, and, and no matter what two weeks period we transpire or go past, we always are dealing with something new and critical. Yeah, I can't wait to listen to this expert. It's going to be a good show. Um. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, listen, I, I know there's sell-off going on. Musk has sold off a lot. Gates has sold off a lot of stock. But they've done this before. So I don't th- I'm not alarmed by it, are you? Um uh this particular one no. Uh, longer term we're we've definitely um so from a macro standpoint is that I'd be shocked if we w- go back and touch touch the all-time highs again just because liquidity is leaving the room. But this particular sell-off is believe it or not is not as um it just seems harsher because it's the things that we're mostly in on the commodity side in March. And so, you know, for those of us that watch these things, those the, the sell-offs are a little bit um, more dramatic than they have been. But from the scheme of things, um, March lows are holding. And really interesting what's happening is, is all eyes are on oil, Dave. So watch oil. Oil is going to tell the Federal Reserve how aggressive to be. And... Um, there's one chart I wish I would have sent you. Uh, maybe when we talk again in a couple of weeks, I'll send, show you this chart. But there's what's called a descending triangle happening in oil right now, which means that there's support at the 95, 93 to 95 dollar a barrel oil. And then we had that spasm that took oil up over 130. And then we had a, a um, basically looks like a slinky move, right? Then we had another move up that didn't quite get as high. Then we had another move that didn't get quite as high, and then we had this last move failed, and now we're back down to $96 a barrel of oil. That means over the last month, I'm going to pull a chart up more talking so I can I can just be clear here with you what I'm seeing, is that you have, um, oops, sorry here, my chart moved over. You have a situation where um, you have oil, <clears throat> Basically, from the first of March, so let's yeah, let's call it March, February twenty eighth. Let's call it because that's the day it started. Oil was at ninety five dollars and twenty eight cents. Well, you know where oil is today? Where ninety six dollars and thirty two cents. Okay. So so if you went away on a desert island and flew back in and checked the price of oil without any context, you're like, huh, oil's pretty flat. So what that means is that uh, inflation. Uh, per the CPI is going to start flattening out, all right? And the the Chinese-induced inflation that they're trying to do with us by locking out supplies, that is truly transitory, okay? And on the fertilizer front, it looks like that has topped out as well, okay? 
And and so what this means is that when the Fed does their announcement here in the next, um, uh, I guess, week and two days, is that he'll, he'll be looking at a CPI that going out into June is going to look pretty benign. And I think we'll probably see a market uh, at any point between now and next Wednesday, probably see a pretty big relief rally. And then from there, we're just going to have to see whether this this oil turns into into a deflationary event where prices can get all the way back down to $60 a barrel, Dave. And if that happens, a lot of people will celebrate because it'll be cheaper to do things. But at the same time, that's going to scare the heck out of the Fed. And now they're going to have deflation on their hands when they thought they were fighting inflation because anybody with half a brain that didn't, doesn't have a Ph.D., from Harvard and Yale know that uh, high oil and high food prices aren't inflationary. Those are taxes, and they de- de- they destroy demand. And sometimes when that demand destruction happens and deflation takes hold, people get even more afraid, and they stop spending versus spending as fast as they can in inflation. And then, then the Fed now, now they don't know what to do. So it's going to be really fascinating to watch. You get to be one of the people that I've been asking this question to a lot who are in a position to know more about the economy than I am, certainly. But um, I know when you go back to the 1982 CPI, Consumer Price Index, and they counted food and the price of gas um, in the inflation rate, if we applied that today, I, I have some economists that are telling me they think the inflation rate's well into the 16s, almost pushing 17%, not the 8.9% the government's saying. What, what's your position on that? Yeah, well, I totally agree with that. It's uh, Look, I just look at what Congress pays themselves, and they give themselves a 21% raise, so that's yeah. where they think the inflation rate is. And so, um, Bob, yeah, that so, matches rent, though. You know, you said that before on my show that rent was a really good indicator of inflation, and it, you mentioned twenty one percent before, right on the money, bingo. Yeah, and so you know, I'm I'm not a little bit benign on the inflation front, like you know, because look, you can't sustain these moves without literally uh, bankrupting anybody over sixty five years of age, right? So, because you know the. Um, Social Security and Medicare only takes you so far, and and people that are renting now are just getting you know it, it's it's going to be such a political thing that I think you'll start seeing um, uh, a backlash against it, and so I just think oil, energy, um, food. Look, it's really interesting on food. So here's my theory on food: is that we're going to have a big problem with corn and and all the derivatives of corn because. Fertilizer prices are too high, but there's going to be more soybeans grown because it fixes its own nitrogen. And then rice, actually, rice production is way up this year. In fact, they're even exporting more of it. And on the wheat side is that people were concerned about Russia and Ukraine wheat, but India had a bumper crop in wheat, and they're going to sell into North Africa this year. So I think we're probably going to dodge the food bullet this year. It's 2023. We got to watch October, November. We have to watch fertilizer prices because actually that's when most farmers buy fertilizer, and a lot of them put it on the ground after they pull their crops out to let it settle into the into the fields. You know, so if you put it on too late, you kind of can burn the crops and stuff like that. So to get it in there, plow it in, and let the uh, you know kind of let it soak in on, over the over the winter fallow period. So. That's where we need to see what happened in 2023. And I have a, a, a political theory is that if once oil gets under $95, starts pushing back down towards 60, it's going to take the starch out of Russia's jeans a little bit. And, and that they're going to probably have to loosen up selling other things because look, they, they, they require the hard currency, right? So I think it's going to cause, um, a lot of issues for them and the Saudis and stuff like that when, when you, we start breaking down, and I think we will. This is this is textbook. This um, this move in oil from a technical standpoint, Dave. You can't deny this move. If it breaks ninety three, we're going to eighty seven, and and that people are going to get a lot more optimistic, thinking that inflation has been broken. You know, let me play devil's advocate just for a minute because I'm speaking out of the dark here. So you got to correct me. Um, 
I, I've been opposed from the beginning to to release oil reserves for military strategic reasons, but then I'm reading also that a lot of the oil reserves are being sent to Europe, so they're not even benefiting Americans. Um, are we kind of getting an anesthesia on oil prices because of the release of oil reserves, or is that a not a factor? Yeah, it's a non-factor. It, it's a, it, it, they were trying to just screw around with the um, the oil uh, futures markets a little bit with that, but there's only 30 days they could do this with anyway, so the market would look past that. And, and they're, they're really selling more natural gas and oil into into Europe. Europeans are actually buying Russian oil. They they're capitulating and they're, they're paying their rubles. But it's natural gas is where we're ramping it up and liquefying it and sending it. So what's going to be really weird is that you're going to see oil falling, but you'll see natural gas on a relative basis rise. And so that's kind of where um, where the opportunities on the energy side, and plus uranium, um, these pullbacks in uranium are buying opportunities, <clears throat> excuse me, because they um, uh, they're in deficit. And so the world is on a push now to balance between fossil and non-fossil fuels, okay? Mm-hmm. And um, and so um, you're going to see just they're going to constantly be pushing for uranium, and they're going to be constantly pushing for lithium. And something really wild happened, and you and I were talking this pre-show because we we're talking about, you know, foreign entities and stuff like that, but Mexico just um, uh, nationalized their um, their lithium mines. Why would they do that? That when when these situations happen, like it's happening now, uh, countries want to. Def- they don't want other people to make profit off what's pulled out of the ground. They get greedy, so they're going to jack royalty rates up. Uh, they're going to nationalize mines. They're going to try to produce it themselves. United States just did it. We opened up public land for oil drilling here. Uh, Biden just did that. He jacked the royalty rate up to nineteen percent. So that's what you're going to see across the board. That's what Russia's doing. They're using the war as an excuse, but you know they're basically trying to extract more out of their commodities. And so, so you're going to get you're going to get more and more of that around the world. That's why, for me personally, I like to own things in the United States as much as I can. Look out! Look, my biggest silver miner is 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 First Majestic. It's in Mexico. I'm a little nervous about it, but my second one is in Hecla, which is the United States. I own a lithium mine called LAC Lithium Americas, and again, these are long-term holds for me. And and that you want you want to have U.S., Canada, Mexico as your you know maybe Australia if it's traded in U.S. Um, but beyond that, you really can't trust that these governments aren't going to go ahead and try to expropriate. If I can say that word right, you got it. Yeah, and so that's that's my view on it. Basically, we're going to go from Thomas Friedman's flat Earth to the world of fortresses. Okay, everybody's going to build up their fences. Oh, I've been waiting for the flat Earth to come into a discussion. I had (laughs) that's fun. Well, how's how's this affecting your business at Trade Genius? Is it reflective in the market? Yeah, so overall we're doing really well. Um, like these last two days, though, you know, we got hit pretty good too because you just don't know. Um, you know, we just we we have stops and we let the stops do their thing. But um, the things that we hold for longer term, like lithium and and um, and uranium, you know, we're riding out those sales. However, having said that, um, I shot you over some notes from some of our clients. We oh yeah, people, fantastic. We put people into Twitter early. And everybody said it's not going to happen. I just told people, just be patient. Uh, no, that's not just true. Just be patient. I, I'm looking and, at this one that you sent me from a gentleman named Matt. says, you're still killing it, Bob. I'm bagged a 19.75% return on one day uh, back with you guys. Absolutely incredible. Let's see. you got a couple more here. John Hayes. Uh, Ain says, uh, yeah, don't ask me. It's magic and the opposite is true. How do you do it, Bob? My results are incredible. And, uh, it's just all these thank yous for, we, I, I hear this too from people that come from the Common Sense Show who sign up that they say the same thing, but they're praising every move you have. Here's another one. Fastest trade I ever made under two minutes, 5.5% profit. <laughs> How would you like to annualize that one? Um, yeah, and then last week the market was down. We, we we put people in two trades that made 10% in a day. So, 
Um, you know, when the market gets weird like this, we have to do more day trading. I don't like to do it because most people can't. But when volatility is up, Dave, you have to kind of shrink your, your sure. time horizons. So, yeah, so overall we're doing we're doing well. You know, uh, I just don't want to mislead people. The last two days, um, you know, we were down. But that's that's life. It's called trading. I, you know, if it, was, if it was that easy, it would be called collecting. But but overall, you know, we're still winning 64% of our trades. We're still up 164% for the year. And like I said, in Twitter, you know, we're having some struggling here and, you know, with, with energy names. And But Twitter, let's go ahead and, you know, it's going to be a 20% winner for us. So, so you know, you um, you make sure you just have a good balance of trades. And it looks like today as we're talking, the market is looks like it's going to try to do a relief rally here. So so we're going to be able to get it probably you know, if if not this week, but after the Fed meeting, I think people are gonna feel a little bit better, and then it'll help us position people into some bear market strategies, because the market's still gonna go down until we get a new regime in here. The Biden administration is unable to help us. We at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts and help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at the TV, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at TV. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call buryyourgold.com. And what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground. And you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold. Not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to buryyourgold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Did you know that the World Economic Forum now, they in the last meeting they convened, they actually had a water board there with water experts, and they tell us our water is in danger and they have to take control of our water. Does that bother anybody? I'm sure it does. And I begin thinking right now about water safety. And we already know there's lead in the water, chemicals in the water. A lot of it's not safe to drink. But we have the answer for you. It's called the Alexa Pure Pro Water Filter. It's the best there is. And scientifically, they leave nothing to doubt as they publish their research at waterwithdave.com. And it's my choice for water filtration. Gravity powered. It reduces 206 contaminants. It targets heavy metals, fluoride, chlorine, and viruses. It is the best there is in the business. And you can read all the research on this simply by going to water with dave.com that's water with dave.com save eighty dollars for a short time but if i could tell people though dave if you don't mind me doing a quick plug come join us trade genius uh trade like a genius.com trade genius academy one thing we have though that nobody else really offers is that we'll call trades out those records you have are just my trade call outs to people but we'll actually teach you how to use the algorithm. So you don't have to wait for me for trades or opportunities. 6,000 stocks out there. You can trade what you like. Our algorithm literally will tell you buy and sell. And it'll give you, uh, help you be positioned. We have two algos running. One that tells you to buy the dips or sell the rips. The other one tells you where the best place to buy or sell in that, in those, um, ranges. So it's a really nice system. Maybe next uh, week I could just throw some charts to give you. You can put up for your listeners to see what, what these things actually look like. It's really simple and easy to see. And what we charge for the services is nothing compared to what you get out of it. People told us we should charge 10 times what we do. I don't like doing that just because um, I want to make sure it's affordable for everybody. And, and not everybody, you know, and, you know, I don't want people to be spending that much money, um, you know, learning to trade. So, 
but if you want to trade with us, it's bundled um, 65% off. If not, you, we still have the Easter promo code running uh, 40% off anything not bundled. You can trade stocks with us. You can trade cryptos with us. You can trade the futures with us. We have a real cool room called the VIP room where we actually, like you and I are talking. That's how we're talking to the traders in there. And other, other than that, if you're in the other rooms, you get chat and you get. The Common Sense Show is proud to be able to bring you some very special deals for MyPillow. For example, they've got half off MyPillow bed sheets, more than half off their slippers, their sandals, their mattresses, their topper covers, women's lingerie. Now, they have extremely great products, as you all know. Ladies and gentlemen, right now go to MyPillow.com backslash Hodges. Use the coupon code Hodges to take advantage of these great opportunities. MyPillow.com backslash Hodges, coupon code Hodges. But everybody gets the signals and everybody gets access to the algorithm. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm glad you just did that because one of the things that happens after we talk is I hear from people, D- Dave, you kind of went too fast there, and how do we find out more about trade genius? Let me just ask you one more question before we go back to economic questions. When people sign up, uh, like people that don't know a lot about the market, um, how much training do you actually do? So what we do, unless they pay for training itself, uh, we give you access to our basically a series of tutorials about um, how to trade, how to trade the market, how to trade using our system, how to use TradingView to trade our system. So there's like 20, 22, like three, four-minute vignettes. Okay. And then you get into the room and you um, um, – I put trade signals out every day. We actually give you access, basically a template, so that you can use the TradingView system. No matter what level – one level is free and the other level is you have to pay for a TradingView – and then so whatever level it is, there's a template you can just download so you don't have to even think about it. You just copy it in and start using it. And then you just kind of watch the trading action and follow the uh, the tutorials, and you're up to speed in a couple weeks. And then some people buy an hour or two hours of training where you actually will get somebody to kind of walk you through everything. But if you're in the VIP room, you can just ask me a question, you know, and Bob. How does this work? How does that work? Or what are you doing? Or why is this? Or I don't know about that. And then we just answer those questions as the trading day goes. Well, it sounds to me the way you've described it now in the past, that if people just follow directions, they're going to make money. They can follow the protocols. Yeah. Look, if you just follow the trades um, and you honor the stops and the targets, uh, over time you can't help but make money. Don't the thing, The biggest mistake people make when they – first start trading or at least even first start trading with us is that um, you know you, you have a halo effect oh Bob he's so great and then you, they load up on a trade you know and and maybe the first trade doesn't work you know and then all of a sudden they're like oh my gosh so you have to kind of I tell people never more than 10% in any one trade in your portfolio you know if you're ever wrong in a trade you want to be annoyed not devastated how's that yeah, that's really good advice yeah and if you win you know you're not yoloing trades you know you only live once you know, if we get three to five percent we hop off there's always another trade tomorrow and like now with the market's so crazy we're not doing anything you know we're just watching so you know you don't have to jump in front of a bus just because you can jump so you just wait for the market to set itself up and then you go back long again you know, you brought up a phrase the last time we talked, and I think it was a really good, astute phrase. You said, uh, to do what you need to do today, you have to outrun inflation. Um, are the people at Trade Genius outrunning inflation? Oh, yeah, by wide margin. So if you're worried about food prices going higher, you buy food stocks. If you're worried about energy prices moving higher, you buy energy stocks. If you're worried about not being able to put fertilizer in the field, you buy fertilizer stocks. I mean, these aren't really difficult things to do. And and then the nice thing about it is you get more effective as a trader is that, you know, you can sell calls against your positions. You could buy stocks that have dividends and you start building wealth that way. So there's no there's no reason to be a victim. And if you think the market's going to crash, there are things you can own for that, too. So, um, what would you do in that case if the more, if you said the signals are there and the market's going to crash? What would you do? Yeah, so we're we're actually in a trade right now that's up um, called TLT. Everybody's worried about the bond market crashing, right? But what's really happening is is that um, 
the bond market probably is not going to go down much more than it is. So TLT is a reflection of maybe the interest rates will start falling again. It seems counterintuitive with the Fed trying to raise rates, but um, the, the TLT is anticipating that we're going to roll from an inflationary back to disinflation. And the bond market, the bond yields are going to fall again because people can't afford the rates where they are. Mm. So that's that's a strategy. In 2008, that that stock had doubled, Dave. And so that's a good trade. And then uh, another trade we just got out of is that there's a trade called SARK, which is Kathy Wood's company. She's the one with all the YOLO companies. When the market rolls over, all those companies are going to go out of business. So that's another trade you put in. And a lot of people are expecting real estate to go down. I'm not too sure how much it's going to go down now because it's not 2008. But, you know, you look at home builders and you look at some other stocks like that. So there's ways in which you can protect yourself in deflation without necessarily going buying these leveraged short ETFs, which are dangerous. You can also buy volatility, too. That's that's right. Well, talk about volatility. And then I got a question about the market, the housing market. Yeah. So volatility is basically a closed end system. It's looking at how many puts and calls are being bought on the S&P 500. Puts and calls are are, are, are leveraged bets, whether it's going to go up or down. So when right now the boat is leaning really, really, really hard to the put side, which means it's a, what's called a put-call ratio that's over 1.3. And when it being over 1.3, that's usually where reversals happen. And with the um, volatility over 30, uh, it means that you know, you're looking at markets that are moving 2% a day. Okay. It, it gets wow. very expensive to hold puts in that environment. So what happens is that traders, they can't buy anymore. And so when they buy puts, it forces the market makers to, to short the market. Okay. And, but when they can't buy any more puts, the market doesn't go down. It's, it's, see, people get confused. It's not the stock market you watch. It's the leverage derivatives behind the scenes that's really driving all the action. And then once people realize that their puts aren't going up in value anymore, there's a time bomb associated with them called theta, which means that um, there's a speculative component that runs out of time, and that goes to zero. So traders will start selling those puts because they're not as valuable to them or they're worried about them losing money, and so that reverses the whole action. And then so the spring goes the other way. So you know volatility is open-ended, but put-call ratio is not. And so when you get when you start pushing up in those levels, it just springs the other way, and that's what creates that oscillation in the market that everybody sees so much. Is this the kind of thing that drives your algorithms that we've talked so much about? Not so much this. Our algorithms just simply look at the what the stocks are doing in, in reaction to that. So, like if you looked at the oil trade, for example. Um, you know, up until April 11th, oil was on what's called a buy the dip algo. Okay, and then as as of the as of the 12th of April, it was in a sell the rip mode. So if we're trading futures on on oil, we're buying any time that our algorithm our our momentum algorithm said to buy, we'd be buying. But when if when the range flipped, Dave. We don't look at the buy the dip. We're like, okay, now we're looking to short it when it starts to when our our, our sell algorithm hits. So that's kind of how we do it. We really don't. We really don't. We watch those other indicators because that kind of tells you whether you're in you know spring, summer, fall, you know what season you're in. But we look at individual trades and we let the um, the algorithm called the range trader and the other algorithm is basically our, our, our ripper system or a heat system tells us whether to buy or sell. So it just, it just keeps all the crazy guesswork out of our lives because these systems are unemotional and what I want and what you want maybe is not what the market wants. Okay. And no matter how hard we try, if you fight the market, the market's going to win. Mm-hmm. So, so right, right now with oil's down to 95.69. And, you know, you're going to start seeing that support the regular stock market because we're right now on that area where if it goes any farther below, it's going to cause probably a cascade of sell orders in the uh, in the futures market. And as oil prices go down, all the other traders in the world are going to say, oh, inflation's abating. 
I can rush back in and we'll start seeing buy orders. In fact, we're starting to see buy orders in what's called the high beta stocks today. So, you know, companies like Snow and Coinbase and things like that, they've been massively beaten down. They could see 30 to 40% moves higher in their shares in a matter of a week or two just because the pressure is coming off. It's like holding a beach ball down six feet underwater, right? When you let go, that thing rockets. It doesn't stop at the surface, but it blows higher before it falls back. And that's what I'm expecting here. We're not out of the woods at all. We're likely going into a recession, Dave, okay? But um, but these relief rallies, uh, if you if you weren't out of the market, gives you a chance to lighten up your positioning, all right, and if you want to do some quick speculation, these are they, these moves will be. They usually last about two or three weeks, just like we had in March. I think we're going to have a series of these kind of capitulations and pops, capitulations and pops. Okay. Okay. Hope that helps. That, no, that does. I just it's good to look at the inside of this and how it operates somewhat. You know, I've dealt with brokers before. I've never heard explanations like this ever, ever. Maybe they think we're too stupid to understand, but uh, they, it's, it's, this was, you know, it sounds complex, but actually at the end of the day, if you just follow the algorithm, it's not complex at all, is it? No, and it's not complex. They, you know, it's just like, it's like the, when the Catholics had Latin mass, right? You know, they just don't want you, they don't want you to get the peek behind the covers, but, <laughs> you know, but, you know, well, stock trading is pretty simple. It's, it's really, it's really supply and demand, and, and it operates as an oscillation. So depending on your time horizon is how you trade it. If you're a day trader, you're on a different time frame than if you're, you know, if you're 30 years old and you're going to, you know, you're not going to touch your money to 65. You know, you, you, you adjust to the time frame that you're dealing with, and, and the market's going to tell you whether it's in a buy-to-dip mode or it's going to tell you whether it's in a sell-to-rip mode, and you just have to know what season that is. And, and what we did was we just codified that into our programs. So these are our programs, and and it just makes life simple for us. Right now, I'm telling people you're crazy if you try to go long oil, all right? Mil- million people tell me I'm insane on that move, but the market is telling me differently. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, oil to me is just too volatile to touch right now. But there is something I want to go back to that uh, you alluded to very briefly, and then we moved away from it. And that's the housing market. And, I, you know, I can't say this is a national trend, but I'll be very specific about some cities I looked at that I'm concerned about a housing crash to some extent. And and, and I'll tell you how I looked at it yesterday. You got Vegas, Seattle, Atlanta, Dallas. Now, holding steady with great appreciation still are cities like Austin and Denver and Phoenix. But in these other cities that I just mentioned, what I'm seeing is the building permits are outnumbering by far the migration. And, and what I've been, what I've learned in the past, if I've learned it correctly, is that indicates a downturn. And um, and properties aren't going to move, and then pretty soon you reach the point where some properties could slip to being underwater. Do you think we can see a spot housing crash in selected cities, but not in all cities? Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I don't think it's going to be as broad based as as um, like two thousand eight, just because the level of leverage isn't there. So, um, but yeah, so we actually already had a couple. Like you know, Phoenix had a. A bit of kerfuffle when um, when Zillow got out of the game. Orlando the same, and up in um, Spokane, BlackRock actually got out of some of the multifamily markets too. So there's um, there's definitely a um, uh, it's going to be it's going to be um, uh, I think metro by metro area. Look here, you know the rule of thumb is um, blue will suffer more than red. Mm-hmm. High tax will suffer more than low tax, and and so I think that's what we're um, um, I think that's what we're going to be we're looking at dealing with like but you know you get to a point now where like like cities like Austin are no longer a bargain Florida is certainly not a bargain anymore oh god Austin do you know they're going to pay fifty percent more property tax next year yeah so those things will start um, that's what I say so there's there's no bargains out there you know we. We've been looking around, um, not 
because we're going to do anything. It's just because we're, you know, we're curious, right? So, you know, we spent last spring up, last fall up in uh, basically the Pacific Northwest looking at northern Oregon, uh, southern Washington, eastern Washington, and uh, and the Idaho panhandle, and uh, just for checking you know, prices there. And what I've learned from people up there is that you know, prices are pr- pretty high for what people can afford. But also you're starting to see a migration back down into Arizona from there. I think people get up there for four or five years and realize, you know what, you know, it's cheaper than California, but it's pretty damn cold here in the winter. And so um, some people are actually bailing out and it looks like the Tucson area is starting to get between Tucson and Phoenix is starting to get built up. You know, you're going to see the same thing in Montana. You know, play, where people, I think, if they ran to something versus running, or they ran from something versus running to something, I think you're going to see some regrets. You know, and my view is the better the weather and the lower the taxes, the the stronger the, the housing market's going to remain. Yeah, I would agree. And that's why when I looked at it yesterday, I said, well, gee, some of these are spot shortages. Where I live in northern Maricopa County, the county, we're going to experience a 35% raise in property taxes next year. That is horrific. And it, yeah, just, and the funny it kills thing, senior citizens on fixed income. Yeah, and the funny thing about it, Dave, is you can say all the bad things you want about California is that my property taxes are going up 2% next year. Hmm. You know, and my home prices have doubled in the last three years. So and my property taxes will be up 6%. So, you know, that's one of the things that California did right. It wasn't under, it was, it was in the 70s that they did this. And um, uh, obviously, if, if that ever stopped, uh, you'd see a housing crash like you've never seen in California. So I don't know if they want to kill that golden goose or not. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the few things left remaining in California that's viable. I mean, the... The treatment of the business community is just abhorrent. I mean, just look at Elon Musk. He said enough was enough, and he left. Yeah. So um, let me, speaking of Elon Musk, let's go to Twitter for a second. Um, where do you see this Twitter situation? I, I'm getting mixed signals now whether Elon Musk is going to be able to pull off the acquisition. Well, he already has the funding. He already said he wants to do it. The board met with him yesterday. The board says we're likely to accept his offer. Uh, and I think they're probably working out, um, they're probably haggling over price. And so, um, I expect the deal to get done anywhere between the price he offered and $60. Twitter will go private. And it, to me, that's, uh, that's indicative of basically the political winds swinging hard right in this country. I mean, look at Marine Le Pen, Le Pen in France. She, you know, she garnered 42% of the vote, quote unquote, a hard right candidate. She won every outlying territory in France. Macron lost them all. He won them all last time. Macron is, is not won it in the, the total south of France and the total north of France is, was totally against him. And so you're, you're starting to see winds of change. And, uh, and so, and America is no exception. In fact, I think it's going to probably shock people that how hard right this next election is going to go. And and I think it's going to probably take some people's breaths away. And so Twitter is now a tool which the left won't be able to use in this election cycle. And, you know, we don't have a lot of time to talk today, but I think there's two deep states, and I think uh, the one deep state is now starting to get ascendancy over the other one. Yeah, it's actually, I wrote about this in 2008. I called it the new of the New World Order and the old of the New World Order. And um, old money, new money, uh, traditional oil at that time versus upstart oil with like Sitco and McCain and Sarah Palin. It's interesting you bring that term up. Uh, other people are starting to notice that too. When I, I look at this whole situation though, and I want to go back to a macro view just for a second financially, uh, you know, you got Russia and gold back ruble. India looks to be on the, they're not on the fence anymore. It looks like they're going to join into that concept. Saudi Arabia has bought into Chinese money, which is really bad for America in my humble opinion. And then you got Latin America talking like they want to go entirely precious metal-backed currency. And then the West, the so-called Western democracies, want to go digital ID and digital money. 
are we seeing two competing money systems evolving in the world where someday that might be the basis for a war? Um, I don't know. I think a lot of people now are trying to differentiate differentiate themselves. Is that you know? Look, the dollar's in ascendancy. Just look at the dollar today. I think. I think. Um, let me look right now. I think the dollar is up again. So when things get scary, um, yeah, dollars up again today, 0.65%. So the world is, doesn't have enough dollars in there. It's, it's, it seems counterintuitive because they we're printing, 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 but people don't realize there's two components to the dollar, right? There's the printing press, and then there's the loans. And and these loans are drying up. People can't get enough of the dollars to pay the loans back. The stronger the dollar gets, the more pain it puts on people, more loans go bad so on and so forth but having said that there are some countries that look the only way they're going to get any kind of investment is that they have to go with a hard currency and so um, if, if they don't go with the dollar they don't want to be tagged at the dollar then they have to go basically oil bitcoin or gold right gold slash silver if you want to call it but but a lot of countries are going to start locking down their natural resources Mexico like nationalized their mines you know Russia's essentially doing that same thing China has done it with rare earths. You know, United States is uh, is is going to do it as well. You watch, and you're going to start seeing all these countries start locking. When United, you know, food's going to be bad when United States will lock down food exports. Okay, you think that's happening? <laughs> no, not this year. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, yeah, I wasn't so, aware that that was happening yet. So I'm glad to hear you say that because that would really be a telling sign. Um, but you think the circumstances underlying the food industry are turning upwards? Is that what I got from an earlier comment? Like fertilizer prices are going down and availability's up. And is is that where we're going? Is it, is the risk of famine becoming less? Well, I mean, look, um, this year there's enough food. Okay, so, um, you know, because I watch that stuff very closely, as you know, and and North Africa is a flashpoint, you know, where Russia and Ukraine aren't going to deliver, India is going to deliver. I just posted to my subscribers yesterday that rice production and rice exports are, are up this year. Hmm. So, um, so then, you know, those are the things I watch, wheat and rice, for people to live off of, and... Um, United States, I never worry about having a famine here, you know, because we're we're a big we're a big rectangle, and where some areas are going to be bad, some areas are going to be good, and so um, you know, unless you know, unless they export away all our food, you know, we're going to be fine here. It's just uh, uh, China's the one to watch. I don't know what China's doing. It's a time for another show, but something's happening in China that's just so incredibly weird. So, um, what do you mean the lockdowns like in? Well, they're locking their whole, they're locking their whole country down, and they're they're locking down their supply chains, and and uh, I don't I don't really understand really what they're trying to accomplish. You know, it looks like it's assisted suicide with them suiciding themselves. You know, at some point, you know, it may cause pain for the world for a year, but you know, countries like Vietnam and Indonesia, Malaysia, India, Mexico. At Al will become the beneficiaries of China basically destroying people's reasons for ever using Chinese manufacturing. You know, there's 40,000 people locked, Americans locked down in Shanghai right now. 40,000 Americans are, are basically under house arrest in China because of their lockdowns. Okay, you know, they're the Americans that are working at, at those factories, you know, and, uh, and, you know, managing those relationships, which is really scary. Wow. Now, how many cities is, are involved now? Uh, well, I know, um, was it Guangzhou province, Shanghai, and then I heard they're ready to lock down Beijing. <clears throat> I mean, you're talking 40% of the country. I mean, it's just absolutely insane for a virus that nobody dies from. Well, 65 and over in pre-morbid conditions, but yeah, essentially I agree with you. Well, I mean, look, it's no different than a bad flu year, right? So um, when you look at singular cause of death, it's probably even less. So you're right. But the comorbid conditions exacerbates it. But I can tell you as a statistician or researcher, it really becomes difficult to lay specific figures on this because these deaths are often multi-causational. So I don't want to get too technical, but like I said, the devil's in the details with the numbers. But with regard to China, 
uh, I've seen, I don't know if you've seen the videos, people screaming in the middle of the night in unison. Yeah. Hundreds of yeah. thousands. It was, yeah. I don't know if you heard that. That was yeah. eerie. It sent chills up my spine. Yeah, mass psychosis is happening. Well, yeah, because they're all being starved to death. And and uh, I, I, like I said, I'll tell you one person suggested to me. I'm going to give you two possibilities. One, they're legitimately a fear. They're legitimately fearing whatever is spreading through China, COVID or something else, is really a threat. So they got to try to eliminate it at all costs. And the other is Xi Jinping is going after the provinces who oppose him, and they're more progressive than they're thinking. And so he's striking back. I mean, what do you think of the, the truth is here? Which which view would you subscribe to? Yeah, it's the second one, and and I talked about that before too. He doesn't have the, you know, China's not monolithic. There, you know, there are people that oppose him, and you know, obviously, the way the Asians do it is different than the way the West does it, right? So, um, I think he, um, uh, you know, he look, he brought the military on Shanghai. That should just tell you all you need to know, and. Um, so the province outside of Hong Kong got locked down. The province in Shanghai got locked down. And, uh, you know, China to me is two different countries. You got the rice China, you got the wheat China, right? So, uh, um, I, I think based on the numbers they're sharing and how many people are dying for a country of 1.2 billion, billion people or even more, 1.4 billion, I don't know how many exactly is that, um, they, uh, <clears throat> those numbers shouldn't alarm anybody so uh and you know if it look if it was another variant we'd probably be locking down already too right so i don't think it's that yeah it, it's i guess i, I it, what they're doing to me without more information makes no sense and right. that's why i think people are looking at the political angle of this now but i've heard xi jinping is really in trouble in his own country even with his own party is that true I heard that too. Obviously, we can't really know that for a fact, but that's that's the information I'm getting too. Is that that um, there is a camp that wants to basically be a bunch of merchants with you know trade with the West, and there's other people that are very nationalistic China that are willing to do whatever it takes, Sparta like, to to turn China China into this iron anvil, right? And, um, and so I think there's a, a lot of that going on. And, and so, you know, it's, I don't know who's going to win that thing, but at the end of the day, you know, the hardliners never really make it. I think the difficulty Russia's having in subduing Ukraine and the relative technological advance of Western weapons versus the Russian weapons is probably given China some pause because China lacks the sea power and the air power to subdue Taiwan. Now they could send you know a hundred thousand missiles over there and turn it into a, a dust storm, right? But in the meantime, Taiwan can very simply go ahead and just do a a, a fatal blow to uh, to China as well. So you know it's almost like you're crushing a a, snorky, a scorpion's head at the same time it's stabbing you in the foot. Okay. And I think that's that's the problem China has, is that China's Taiwan's not Ukraine, okay, and and um, China's not Russia. You know, they just can't roll a million people across the water without losing a couple hundred thousand of them to missiles, all right, and then every port in China getting blown up, and probably the Three Gorges Dam to boot. And look, China, Japan, and the United States gave them more Patriot missiles. Japan parked their Aegis uh, frigates on the other side of Taiwan for missile defense. The Japanese made it very clear, any attack on Taiwan, we're going to defend. So that should probably give them a little bit of pause, too. (laughs) Yeah, the problem is you have to trust the Biden administration, and I don't. I don't worry about the Biden administration, but I trust that the Taiwanese... The Koreans and the Japanese will operate in their own self-interest. I would agree with that. Japan will be there. Does Japan have nuclear weapons? Do you have any idea? As far as you know, they don't. Yeah, that's my point. (laughs) You just, you cut me off at the pass because I think they do. I, you know what? I, I can't see how Japan would, would not have them in secret with, Mm -hmm. with, with China because China doesn't threaten Japan. Okay. There has to be a reason for that. Exactly. (laughs) 
And you're not uh, here in North Korea. Yeah, North Korea, too. And speaking of North Korea, since we're talking about world unsettling, and I'm going to bring this back to the market in a second, um, North Korea appears to be getting a little bodacious now that Trump is out of office and they're, they're feeling their oats. Are you seeing that, too? Yeah, but, you know, to me, North Korea is a big yawn. You know, it's just like... It's like the it's like the little <coughs> commercial, right? He's in his crib, you know. <laughs> okay, I kind of look at it that way too, but it only takes one to ruin a lot of people's days, and it just they're a nutty regime run by crazy people. But you know, you said something about China that really applies to America. You talked about the hard um, hardline ideologues in China that want this uh, stealthy. Uh, omnipresent power ruling over everybody and everything and then you got the people that hey let's be happy and make a lot of money the merchants that's kind of what's going on here we've got the ideologues running the biden administration versus everybody else who wants to keep america profitable yeah look i uh you know i mean i'm getting tired of talking about joe right but uh <laughs> you know it's um he, he's basically um he, he look he, they, they wrapped him in, in saran wrap and he doesn't know how to get out of it. Okay. So he's just, uh, he's irrelevant. Obama had to move back to Washington to see DC to run the country and exactly. There. Bingo. Yeah. So, uh, um, but even, you know, he, even he can only do so much without being so obvious. And, um, and so, you know, they, uh, I think that's why you're seeing some of these moves out of the Biden administration of late is probably Obama advising them to say, Hey, you know, if you want to lose 200 seats in this next election, just go ahead and keep oil prices up. You know, so I, I think they have a full court press on getting oil prices down. And and um, and then they're going to try to throw a lot of stimulus out there. But I think the cake is baked. They went after our children. And I don't think the American people are going to forgive them. I hope you're right. And you're right. There's actually a coalition of women that have formed across the country. And, and their, one of their themes is Not My Child. And for the life of me, I can't remember the name of the organization, but they have these blue T-shirts. And it, a lot of them say Not My Child. And, and we talked about this before. The mistake the Biden administration made, particularly uh, uh, the attorney general, was that they took on the soccer moms that weren't really involved in politics but are now. Yeah, I mean, look... Um you know, Trump lost those people. No, I'm not going to get into who won or won lost election because it, it, it's pointless. Even if you were right or I'm a writer, exactly, I right. agree with you. So, but he did have a he had, Trump did have a woman problem, and uh, um, and so, but with the Biden administration, they made a fatal mistake. Um, you know, the lockdowns exposed this basically the teachers unions and the um, the culture war that they were enacting on behalf of the Democratic Party. And it's unforgiven. It's going to be unforgivable. I mean, they ba- they basically are teaching their children of open insurrection against their parents. They're they're trying to ter- tell children that they are who they're not. I mean, look, you know, um, when we were young, we had think people called tomboys, and yeah, that's true. You know, and then you know, and you have boys, mama boys, right? You know, kids grow through those things and grow out of those things. You know, probably eighty five percent of the time. You know, and and to to try to do psychological and surgical damage to oh, these yeah. people is, is I think, is absolutely amoral. Well, what, what, they, what they've done is they've taken what children go through naturally, and they've got teachers interfering in the process when it should be parents guiding, and that's my overriding belief. But I that's mean, the whole reason why the left took over schools in the first place is because yeah. they want to control. They, they always want to be at the point of control, and the earliest you can get to a kid the better you are. What's really weird has happened, though, is that, you know, look, my daughter went to private Christian school and then she went to public high school, but she went ahead and, um, she went ahead and she, I would, I won't say she drifted left, but she probably was very progressive. And then when she got a job, uh, at least on the economic side of her life, she went hard right, you know, to, on, on social, she's still pretty libertarian, like, you know, none of your business, what people do, which I don't disagree with. And, but on the economic side, she just doesn't understand uh, why they're doing these things. And I think that's what's happening to the kids these days that they, you know, when you and I were a kid, 
the teachers were your life. You all you got your information was from your teachers and your parents, mm-hmm. right? That's right. Now these kids are. My daughter has more information at her fingertips than I do. You know, and they and they operate in that environment at nonstop. Okay, and so so they're um, they're they're. Uh, they know what the game is, and and a lot of the kids, these influences are, are are they're definitely turning away from progressive thinking because they see the harm it's doing to their friends, and especially kids that get out of college, you don't have jobs. They're like, whoa, you know, and so yeah, I think they've lost the kids, but they that that but they're trying to uh, they're definitely trying to damage them as early. Look, when they're trying to get five year olds these these vaccines, and they're trying to give five-year-olds sex training is that they're trying to get in these kids' heads early. That's true. Well, there's no question there's a climatization. Well, okay, propaganda. Let's call it what it is. There's propaganda yeah. going. There's no question. And this is what America's rejecting. And, and uh, you know, honestly, it's funny. America, I think, is more tolerant than it's ever been in its history. Yet there's a limit where keep your hands off my kids. And that's that's really what they're seeing, and and even L.A. County is beginning to back off some of these programs with the kids. Um, I was reading about this the other day, but uh, it's it's dying hard. But you know, I was in public education, and I got to tell you, when I was in there, we couldn't have found a handful of teachers to teach what's being taught today. I, I just I'm shocked by it all, and I just it's just bizarre. But, uh, yeah, well, these these teachers are coming. They're they're the product of the college education. System, that's true. That's true. Which is the next thing that's going to get blown up because, you know, you can't get a two hundred thousand dollar education and, and never have a job that you'll make two hundred thousand dollars in your career. You know. Yeah, that's a good point. And you got well the student loan debt and then the quick question on that before we conclude here. Yeah. Do you think the student loan debt's going to be forgiven? Because there's a lot of noise about that. Well, I don't know. I mean. Look, the Biden administration, I think they wish they could wave a magic wand and make it go away and become a hero. I just don't know. Legally, can they can they just um, re, re, redact the law that's in place? You know, I think they they've done all they can in terms of um, of, of abatement. Right. But I think they've run into Supreme Court ruling saying, uh, how do you how do you do that? You know? Yeah, I know. Well, all these forces come to bear. Everything we've talked about comes to bear on the market. And it sounds like you're being pretty optimistic and people are sitting out there today and saying, okay, Trade Genius is outrunning inflation. We've heard the number. They went over 64% of their trades. Their rate of return is, let's see, I got it written down here. Annualized over the first quarter, it's 164%. That's a, those numbers are unheard of. Yet I know if you weren't telling the truth, the SEC would be breathing down your neck like they are Elon Musk. So tell people how they can become a part of what you're doing, and and I'll fill in the details. Yeah, so tradelikeagenius.com, and you can take advantage of these specials, 65% off till Saturday uh, on the bundle, 40% off non-bundle till Saturday, mm-hmm. and... and uh, you know, and just one point too. You know, we don't take people's money, so um, so these these are just the callouts that we do. Um, whether people make one hundred sixty four percent, it's depending on how much they're invested exactly you know, in those trades. So I just want to be really clear: is that you know we're in education. That's a really important point too. There's so many scammers out there, out there that you know we don't take money, we don't take crypto. We provide information and coaching and training and. And I just hold myself accountable by whatever I put out there that I record, so that so I, you can see whether or not what I tell you just works or not. So, you know, one question I've never asked you: what what direction is your membership base going? And we got about twenty seconds. Uh, we've gone up every year since we've started. So okay, uh, that, that answers the question. Yeah. Well, I want to give out some important information here. The Coupon code to take advantage of the 40% non-bundled items. Those are basically educational vignettes. And the bundled items, 40% and 65% off, respectively. That expires this Saturday. Let me look at the date here, Bob, real quick. The 30th, I think. Yeah, you're right. It is the 30th at midnight. And uh, you got to take advantage of this now, folks, because 
Bob Kudla's group is outrunning inflation. And, Bob, I think that's where we're going to leave it. Thanks for an exciting hour of information about the economy. And, again, on behalf of a lot of people in my audience, thanks for the opportunity you provide at Trade Genius. No, hey, thanks. Thanks so much for having me. I always enjoy our conversations, Dave. Have a good one. Thanks, Bob. Bye-bye. We at The Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts to help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at thecommonsenseshow.tv, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at thecommonsenseshow.tv. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com. And what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground. And you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold. Not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee.